0: Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio
1: experience. Hello guys, welcome, welcome, welcome to our show. Good people, welcome. By the way, I don't want to discriminate bad people welcome to our show as well anyone who want to learn more about environment of your life experience welcome because today we are going to discuss this topic we pray edwards how are you excellent how are you Antonio? i'm doing great uh i check out your linkedin profile i know you have extended experience about this topic and you know it's interesting that my team can confuse with your quotas. I need to ask them, <laughs> you know, on this promo, <laughs> because you know, my team is in Ukraine. They have so hard time right now. I still have business there, but I keep helping and donating them. So sometimes, uh, yeah, it's really hard, especially when uh, Russia can hit all these missiles. So, yeah, but things happen. We need to go ahead uh, to overcome, and I'll ask them to <laughs> to fix this uh, problem. Sorry for that. But anyway, uh, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about this topic.
0: Yes, absolutely. And before I dive into my whole spiel, I want to... Send a special blessing to your team in ukraine obviously this is a very difficult time and challenging and we stand for the, the country of ukraine as they work through these challenges so kudos to your team for even still showing up to work given those challenges those are unique uh, but yeah so i'm excited to share uh, a little bit of information about what we've learned around indoor environmental health um i am a general uh self-admittedly and so i tend to be a guy who obsesses over Human health when it comes to environments. And that's mainly just because, you know, a lot of your listeners, and maybe you can also attest to this, Anatoly, but, you know, if you've ever been inside of a room, you know, where you start to feel groggy, a little bit tired, or maybe you're inside of a casino and people are smoking cigarettes and you don't feel so good after the night, that night, right? Or um, in some cases, people can relate to, you know, not getting a good night's rest and not really understanding why. Sleep patterns are affected. You know, I'm one of those folks that tends to obsess over the science of indoor in environments and, and really understanding the effect that these environments have on our lifestyles. And so, really excited, yeah. and excited about sharing, you know, some of those key learnings
1: in this area. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, uh, let's start uh, from bad habits. Uh, and uh, can you tell how to change bad habits uh, with good ones? For example, no, I had a bunch of bad habits. Probably, I have. Uh, today, some bad habits as well. But you know, it's interesting that my uh, bad habit was to uh, overwatch TV. I spent so much time to watch TV. uh, uh, But uh, I changed this habit by reading books right now. I don't watch TV. Even more, I have no TV in my apartment. That was a fight with my wife. You know about that, but it doesn't matter. We we have no TV, but I have Amazon Kindle. I uh, I have many books, and I enjoy the process of reading books. Uh, and I know it's not simple, you know, to change habits. For example, many people know about their problems. They know what kind of uh, issues they have. Someone can drink, uh, smoke. I don't know. Name them a lot. So. Tell how to change these habits.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, TV screen time is certainly one of those things that uh, I think all of us want to manage better. We want to spend less time in front of digital devices and more time with people and certainly with ourselves. So, um, you know, but I I, I always have the the conversation around television and digital consumption um, surrounding the concept of intentionality. I think that watching and consuming content can be healthy or not healthy depending on what you're consuming. So uh, depending on what you're watching, it could lead to better outcomes or not necessarily healthier outcomes, you know. So I think habits are really a function of uh, belief patterns that we have about the world and ourselves and how we exist in this world. And certainly, uh, you know, taking information and and tracking our ability to look at our decision making, look at our decision points relative to our distance in that world and look for better outcomes. I think ultimately everyone wants to do things that lead to healthier uh, experiences, right? Uh, TV time, certainly one of my answers to that habit is to get outside more, right? So I have a personal mandate to spend, you know, at least two hours of every day outside of a vehicle and outside of four walls, right? So that's just, it's just a process of tracking your activities, looking at your outcomes
1: and adjusting that based on what you want your experience to be. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Let's get back to the main topic, uh, the effect of environments on our oral life experience uh so let's talk uh what kind of effect we can get like negative positive uh and i'm interested how to avoid negative effect that uh, people uh, might uh, meet you know uh almost every single day because of many terrible things that happen in this world but it's our world and we need to live on this world so any uh, insights uh how to uh, avoid negative effect of uh, our environment
0: yeah absolutely
1: so you know when i think about
0: measuring environment right and its impact on our health i think about several factors that go into that and some of those are factors that we can easily control Some of those factors are just not easily controllable uh, because they're outside environmental factors that are beyond the realm of uh, systems or our ability to manage those environments. So when I think about things we can't control, um, being inside of well-ventilated spaces from an air perspective is a good thing, right? Breathing clean air uh, and bringing in as much oxygen as you possibly can inside of a closed space is a good thing generally for health, right? Um, and so what we tend to think about is you know, how do we create environments as a society where there's more fresh air inside of indoor spaces where we spend more of our time, right? Uh, so that's one example of that. Other examples would be physical security, right? So if you're inside of a space that has security vulnerabilities, certainly that leads to potential outside events. Now, we can't control the outside events that make their way into these security of gaps. Uh, but what we can do is we can enhance security protocols so that these events are restricted or at least mitigated to a large extent, right? So that's one aspect of it. You know, at PureTech, one of the things that we've done is we've built a model for basically seven different factors that lead to a great environment from a health perspective. And so ultimately, uh, without diving into all those factors, at this point in the conversation, I would say being able to measure what's happening in your environment is the starting point for having a better experience, right? And we believe in management by data. so. For example you're a, you're doing this podcast from what looks like maybe your residence to your home there are things that are happening outside of your building and things happening inside your building that if you could measure those and adjust those would give you better experiences from the health perspective so that's kind of what mm-hmm. you think about
1: environments right nice uh, can you tell about uh, how you measure uh, all these things in in your company and i'm interested About uh, your unique selling proposition or benefits compared to other companies that measure uh, this uh, effect of environment.
0: Yes, absolutely. So there are a number of companies that are developing very robust, very uh, definitive sensor based solutions, right? I think if you look at the world of indoor air quality, every company that's working in this space is looking to develop and release a better sensor that can be easily deployed inside of an environment, and using pulse readings and pulse data to capture environmental contamination, temperature, humidity, uh, some level of volatile organic compounds, which is the buzzword in our industry. It's it's a measurement of how much pollutant is suspended in the air that we breathe. And taking all that data and harvest, harvesting that across a cloud architecture so that you and I can get access to that is really what most of the market is doing today. So we do have an aspect of that at PureTech, Um, but what's a little different, unique here is that we take that data, integrate that with uh, HVAC and air quality systems and use that information to predictively model what happens inside of your space and then make automated adjustments to those environments using response measures. So if you think about PureTech, what makes us different, I think in that sense is we start with diagnostic of what's in your space. We implement Internet of Things platform or IoT technology to um, those environments, and then we give predictive analytics on the forward end, so you know what could happen in your space based on
1: what did happen, Nice. Interesting. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk more about that. Uh, For example, if I get data uh, that uh, what's going on er around me, how I can use this data? How I can uh, use this data to uh, improve the quality of my life? or any uh, other benefits that I can get by using this data?
0: Yes, so I'll use a live example. I've got a client that's an office space customer of ours. They subscribe to our network. We're getting information about how uh, healthy their office spaces are for the workers and how workers perform in that space. And uh, so there was one particular quarter where we were analyzing data, and we found that uh, 20% of their workers in a certain location in this office we're experiencing uh, low energy levels. They were getting very tired during the middle of the day. In between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Was, was like the time people were experiencing these weird kind of effects of being in this office. And so um, obviously we're in a world now where people are working on a hybrid model. So not everyone wants to go in the office every day given the pandemic. So the client commissioned us to help study what was the impact of uh, what was environmentally happening to create this sort of groggy effect for the employee? What we found is that in this particular location, carbon dioxide levels were 40% higher than in other locations in the building. And that was because their mechanical ventilation system wasn't calibrated so that they could ventilate CO2 out of the building like they were doing other parts of the, the office space. And so if you think about that same example, You know, if you've gone to college or if you have uh, children that are students in even elementary school, middle school, maybe you remember this from high school, but typically right after lunch, right, between lunch and recess was when you would experience the most, the lowest level of energy and probably difficulty paying attention in math class, right? And what we realized and studied is that if you have a very uh, low ventilation factor in the classroom, Students have a hard time paying attention inside of a lot of lectures because the CO2 levels in the room are disrupting oxygen utilization in the brain. And so that, those are the things that we try to capture, analyze, and adjust so that students in that classroom example have a better experience. And we see that
1: across all different types of uh,
0: industries that we work in today.
1: hmm Okay, uh, and how to fix the environment, <laughs> for example, I live in my apartment, probably, I don't know, I can show what I have, I don't mean, you know, like, uh, my view, <laughs> probably not the worst place, uh, uh, good place, by the way, but, you know, uh, for example, if I know that uh, air is not good, uh, but I can't change the location, if I know that my name, I don't know, probably I have some noise, uh, any other things that can uh, impact to my well-being, what I need to do there, <laughs> so, for example, if I can't uh, influence to these events, but uh, anyway, I want to be happy you know, and be well-being. Any insights about that? Sure. So there are categories
0: of environmental factors that will give you a better experience in your apartment right now the fact that you're sitting on your patio doing this interview more than likely is a it's probably a net good thing for you given that you're not sitting inside of a closed space where the air is moving right and you probably can you probably experience this right when you're sitting in your apartment or house with your wife and you guys have the windows closed you're in there for three or four hours together it feels very different than when you're walking in the park together where you've got all that fresh air right uh, so, the first set of factor factors we group into what we call biological markers, right? Those are things that, uh, using just pure science, if you can adjust things like humidity, if you can adjust temperature the thermal uh, indexes, if you can adjust level of O2 in your room, meaning readable oxygen, but things like that are directly correlated to your experience respiratorily inside of a space, right? Uh, there are things that are not biological that are experiential, things like Noise levels, right? Ambient noise or traffic or white noise, brown noise, uh, noise pollution. Those things have a very uh, visceral effect on the experience, but also very protracted one over time. And so, uh, there's these experiential factors that aren't necessarily as obvious, but do over time create uh, either a healthier or non-healthy environment, depending on you know what level of those activities are happening in the space. Sometimes uh, you see buildings that have noise cancellation rooms or uh mitigation efforts inside the structure so that outside noise doesn't impair indoor performance right uh but then there's Mm -hmm. a third and that's things that are uh either industrial the result of industrial or modern civilization where you have contamination that makes its way from outdoor environments to indoor environments right i don't really consider those biological those are more chemical pollutants that are just byproducts of byproducts of industry and so, those are things that are like contamination that live in your space that would cause repris- respiratory issues at different levels. And for those, those typically require some level of filtration, ventilation, and uh, some level of infrastructure changes to prevent those from making it inside your space, right? Uh, so, there's some places in the world where contamination is much higher because those environments are heavily industrialized, right? And so, uh, in those cases, you don't really want th- things outside. Coming inside of the room we want to seal the building right so if you can manage those three categories typically you have better health outcomes over long
1: periods of time and we tend to focus on those categories here nice nice uh, i want to ask one question a uh, personal question I hope my wife uh, won't listen to this episode but <laughs> she, she doesn't listen to any episodes but you know I want to ask for example you know uh, I know that uh, all people are different. We have different preferences, habits, uh, and for me, it's important to uh, breathe fresh air. I love it you know. And uh, the temperature, I don't care about the temperature, if it's cold, hot, uh, uh, because, uh, you know, uh, I have the habit to take cold back, uh, and uh, because of this habit, you know, like in 2019, you know, let me share my story, uh, uh, I'm trying fast, uh, you know, uh, I was in Turkey. After uh, spending like seven days on Turkey, uh, I I got sick and uh, couldn't recover for 45 days. That was hard. Uh, And uh, I took a lot of medicine pills, but uh, uh, it didn't help me a lot. So I decided to change my uh, habits and uh, to take a cold shower. And right now I can get cold back uh, almost every single day. And that's why I don't care about cold. I don't care about hot. Uh, because of having this habit, but my wife, uh, she, she likes uh, warm weather. She likes uh, good temperature uh, and uh, that's why she can close the window. <laughs> I, I want to open the window, you know, to get this fresh air. Yeah. So how to consider that people are different, we have different habits, different preferences. And to find this balance, I don't know, probably it's not about only family issue uh, in a business environment. It's the same, you know, many companies, someone uh, introvert wanna have walls uh, around them. Someone uh, wanna free space to see colleagues, to communicate with them. So it's hard to find the balance, but anyway, uh, can you share how to do it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's really one of the challenges, the greatest challenges with Environmental management, right? It's um, so if you take the office example again, you've got two different workers at a company that require different levels of environmental settings to be comfortable. And oftentimes, those degrees of comfort may not work consistently in tandem with the things you need to do to make sure it's healthy. So, comfort and health are always sort of two factors that are interplay, right? What I mean by that is you've got uh, one worker who likes, I'll talk in Fahrenheit because I'm you know, like we use the Fahrenheit measurement system in our technology, primarily, right? So in, in Fahrenheit, one employee likes to work in 72 degrees Fahrenheit. The other one prefers to be at 80, right, in the winter time, yeah. because that's important. Um, most systems today that manage temperature also manage the ventilation. So when you turn that ventilation system on, uh, typically you're going to affect temperature because of the airflow in the space and just moderate ambient thermal is gonna be affected by this, right? Um, and in fact, in a lot of systems, they're actually set so that they turn on when the temperature falls outside of a preset range. So what do you do? How do you help two people have the same health experience that have different comfort levels and requirements? Yep. And what you end up having to do is, uh, it's difficult. It's a very big challenge for commercial buildings to manage this, right? Um, and so you know, while one person's opening a window to get cool, the person is turning up the heat and it just creates all these inefficiencies. So where we come is we said, well, let's manage the uh, conditions down to the person level so we can use sensors and distributed technology to understand where thermal changes are happening as, as an index to the indoor environmental health data that's coming from that same location. So instead of relying on systems to adjust levels across entire buildings, we can actually spot target individual Conditions around that person experience and make adjustments where we get the greatest benefit for most people Also recognizing that you can never please everyone all the time, right? And I think that's yeah. where we use a very data-driven approach to understand how to sort of create individual health experiences that are good for the individual But also work for
1: large spaces And that's, that's yeah. where yeah. we approach it Nice, nice, well done. Okay. Uh, if I share about my wife, let me share about myself. You know, he loves soccer. He loves soccer. Uh, and he spent so much time by playing soccer. But, uh, and you know, he, he has a dream to be a great soccer player, to play like uh, Leo Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo. That's good. Uh, I support him. But, you know, he uh, goes to sleep at 11 p.m., uh, 1 a.m., Because he's a teenager now, uh, and I'm trying to explain to him, uh, it doesn't work. You know, if you want to be a great sportsman, it's not only about training. You can train so hard, but you need to rest so hard. (laughs) You need to eat healthy food. uh, Because uh, these indirect factors can impact your results in soccer. Uh, So if you just play without uh, paying attention uh, to eating healthy food and uh, resting, i'm not sure it's possible to achieve any result in soccer and uh, i'm interested about uh, measuring this impact for example um, uh, i check out a few studies if you go to gym uh, 30 percent of all your results uh, training hard Uh, 50 percent it's like uh, eating healthy food 20 percent of rest and so we we can measure a little bit you know the difference uh, the balance between them but what about uh, Environments. How I can measure uh, the impact of in my environment to my productivity, to my energy, to my... Uh, any insights about that?
0: Yeah. This is, this is really exciting because... Um, so, quick disclaimer. I am not a medical practitioner, so I don't give health-related advice on... In this I just examples. Um, yeah. yeah. I have to say that. I right? have a fun disclaimer. Um, and I'm not a human biologist, but I do work with a number of epidemiologists, human biologists, uh, virologists. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of ologist types, right? And essentially what we're studying and trying to understand is, what is the interplay between healthy environments from an air quality standpoint and human epigenetics, right, as one sector of science? In other words said differently is, you know, what is someone's genetic makeup as a starting point? How do we affect and change environments that are conducive to the best genetic makeup of that human being? And so as you begin to study things like your son, who's an he's an athlete, right? Um, obviously, rest and recovery is huge. Diet metabolism is gonna be big. Uh, but the most important thing in, in our view for athleticism is the body's ability to process and utilize oxygen for recovery, repair, for the feeding of the cells, right? And what we do understand is that human performance from a health perspective really does come down fundamentally Uh, the the human's ability to utilize oxygen in the body to produce energy um now to to talk on a cellular level the reason that we get high energy when we play sports is because you know oftentimes there's a misnomer that if you breathe a lot of oxygen or in a high oxygen environment like a hyperbaric chamber that will lead to a healthier performing body and that isn't necessarily the case uh, because you could breathe in 95 percent oxygen 600 liters of that a day, like athletes typically do, and still not perform at optimal range. And that's because you it's not just ingesting or, or bringing oxygen into the body, but it's utilizing it in the mitochondria cell, right? The cell in the body for your son, when he goes to sleep at night, is looking to repair itself, regenerate itself overnight. So when he's sleeping and he's entering deep, deep sleep state, uh, his mitochondria is looking to process and pull in oxygen to produce what's called ATP, to use a very scientific one, right? Adenosine triphosphate. And his ability to create ATP comes down to his cell's ability to utilize the oxygen in his bloodstream. So said differently, what we want to do for your son in this example is be able to measure how much oxygen is in the room he's sleeping in. How much oxygen is he getting in his training facility? And when he's outdoors, if we could measure that, you know, How much of that oxygen that's in the atmosphere is being utilized by the cells in his body? And the more he can utilize that, the more effective he'll see results as an athlete on the field, right? And I'll just say that um, outdoor air is only about typically 20 to 30 percent oxygen, usually 21% oxygen. The rest of it is made of nitrogen, there's a bit of hydrogen in the atmosphere, and obviously water is a byproduct of that catalyst in the atmosphere. So uh, we're not getting high degrees of oxygen in most civilized societies anyway. And so that's why, you know, if your son can find ways to get rest, to optimize his, his body's epigenetics and chemistry, um, then he can utilize oxygen and have a better outcome in the field, right? So we mm-hmm. want to measure, measure that and adjust to that is one of the ways that you can lead to uh, better outcomes by managing those environmental conditions.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay. Let's talk about money. You know, uh, for example, uh, when I uh, speak with my customers, uh, you know, they usually ask, okay, you want to hundred K. Okay. I can give you hundred K, but what I can get back now. So they wanna uh, return on investment, so ROI, and can you tell uh, what kind of ROI? Companies, businesses can get by investing money uh, on that, because it's not like uh, common things like to develop innovative products, to marketing, to sales. But uh, uh, if they want to increase productivity, if they wanna get high results or happy people, uh, that it's important as well. So, can you tell uh, how to measure? That investment to uh, improvement, something like this, can help with something like that. Any insights?
0: Yeah, and I, just to clarify, your question is uh, from the perspective of an investor investing capital in a business, how do we turn that into? Economics. Yeah, for
1: example, I I I'm your customer. I'm your customer, uh, okay. and uh, I I wanna give you money, you know, uh, or uh, someone from my audience because I have a lot of business owners who listen to this pod- podcast. So they wanna invest money. Uh, can you tell, uh, for example, uh, in marketing I love uh, in, uh, invest a dollar g- to get uh, two dollars back. No, uh, can you tell how I can invest dollar to get towards, uh, two dollars back? with something like this.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I'm going to speak from my failures first, because this is, okay, my, nice. second, this is my second startup. My first startup, um, and that one still exists and still functional, still operational. But um, my first startup failed. We had a great product. Uh, we had a very excited team of talented, hungry entrepreneurs that were all working on taking this amazing product to market. Right, um, But the, where we failed was we didn't systematize enough of the business to be able to generate Cash flow, and I think if you talk to any entrepreneur, the thing that keeps us up up at night is not product innovation as much. Uh, it's certainly not competition that that keeps us up at night, maybe during the day, right? Um, the thing that keeps us up at night is running out of enough liquidity to build adequate systems to scale the business, right? And in the first three years of a company, you're just trying to find customers and you're trying to find consistency in your customers and getting them to either buy products and continue to buy products or continue to utilize your services. And that whole commercialization is about value exchange. So my first startup failed because we had a great product we focused on a lot of uh, developing features and not enough on systematizing, enough go to market to get customers to keep uh, buying products consistently, right? Um, And so as we restructure that first company, uh, we're in the midst now of finding new ways to build better systems to scale that solution. Uh, And it's the same thing that we got right at PeerTech at the beginning. My failures from the first experience really helped to position you to know to invest in systems that would help us scale a business and not focus so much on just the product innovation, right? So the very quick answer and shortcut to that would be, if you're an entrepreneur and you're taking customers' payments and you're exchanging value, the most important thing you can do is not build a better hamburger, right? McDonald's is successful because McDonald's has the best system for giving you a consistent hamburger experience, even if it isn't the best hamburger in the world, right? Uh, we, we believe that Business systems are the way that you build a sustainable business and a highly scalable one. So I would encourage entrepreneurs to follow my failures and focus more on systems than on product. If you have a product that is working, provides value, and is good enough to get into the market as a starting point.
1: Nice. Yeah, I agree. I think failing only brings new experience and nothing else. You know, for me, it's hard to count how many times I failed a lot. Many, many times, I keep doing this, but uh, I remember Elon Musk said about failing, if you don't fail, you are not innovative enough. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, and uh, I like another quote from Shaquille O'Neal. Someone asked him uh, what he thinks about failing, and he told, you know, uh, when you started something new, you always fail. And uh, any direction, any ways, if you start, you need to fail. Because it's the part of education to go ahead, to improve. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I like it that you uh, share about failure because uh, it's important and uh, to fail. You know, <laughs> uh, many people uh, don't start something because they scare failure. Yeah, you yeah. fail. And uh, I... I Uh, it's a pity I forget the name of this guy Uh, he couldn't sell uh, products for 14 years 14 years right now he's a billionaire billionaire the close friend uh, friend of uh, Jeff Bezos Jeff Bezos called him crazy guy because 14 years without any results right now he has a company in 56 countries uh, a lot of countries thousand employees a lot of customers because of uh, loving what you do so he didn't stop he didn't give up he didn't burn out just uh, keep going that's why failing uh, I think yeah it's important to learn from failures and uh, don't discourage that you can't you can just need patience you know <laughs> to adapt uh, to uh, new obstacles that you have okay right I have the question about mistakes can you list common mistakes that companies still do by measuring Uh, the effect of environments and how to find a much better way.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest error that we see in this space is uh, a lot of false negatives and false positives. Here's what I mean. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are a lot of IAQ sensor startups that are selling their ability to provide indoor environmental quality data, right? Um, First mistake is data is not the same thing as insights. That's the biggest mistake we see in the INQ space. Just because you have a sensor that tells you that you have uh, particulate matter or CO2 spikes, doesn't tell the end user what that means from a health perspective or from a performance perspective. So while there's a lot of solutions that wanna give the marketplace more data, there's not enough solutions that are providing quantitative and qualitative insights about what it means. So that's the biggest one. The second would be, Uh, We just see that there's a lot of issues with even HVAC or ventilation systems that provide inaccurate measurements of what's happening in the space. That's those false negatives and false positives. Here's what I mean. One of our clients uses a very sophisticated uh, ventilation system that has sensors that are inside what's called the ductwork. These sensors are behind the walls where the air comes through the unit, cooling, condensing, recirculation. Well, if you're picking up particulate and measurements in the air quality in the duct, it doesn't necessarily map back to what's happening where the person's sitting in that space or where they're exercising or studying. And so one of the biggest mistakes we see is that there's a great divide of what can happen within 20 to 30 feet of the air where you're breathing by the time it makes it into the ventilation system that's 30 feet near, right, in the air, right, in a commercial space. And so that's why, you know, at PureTech we really, Believed in having distributed sensors, but also distributed technology that is in the space as close to the human experience as possible, so that we can capture real-time, accurate information and insights around what is happening with that person in that building or in that classroom. Not necessarily, what happened to the air when it made its way into the ventilation system. So, those are mistakes we see that are happening at a very industrial scale and. As we come into the market, our work is not to compete with that and it's not really to create confusion, but it's to bring clarity to what's happening in that 30-foot divide between the person and those advanced systems, right? There's That space in the middle, a lot of rich insights that happen there. and We want to be able to provide that to the marketplace for visibility purposes.
1: Yeah. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I have the question about your experience. Let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, completely from scratch, because, you know, I have a lot of students in my envi- uh, environment <laughs> network, and, you know, they're looking for ways how to become an expert in one day. Uh, what would you do today, according to your experience, if you started from scratch to learn more about uh, the effect of environments?
0: Yeah. I think the best teacher is experience, right? Life is the best teacher. And if I was starting back at the beginning, like I did four uh, seven years ago in this space, right? Um, I'd start by just investing in very simple sensors that you can buy on Amazon, right? Start taking CO2 readings in your room at night, right? Put the CO2 measurement device on your nightstand when you go to sleep, and compare that CO2 measurement overnight to your sleep patterns on your Fitbit, as an example. And if you start seeing it, CO2 levels when they go up, your sleep patterns go down, your sleep quality goes down. That's a data point, right? I think those experiences are easy for us to study because we can directly correlate our physical experience to what we're finding from the data itself, right? And you don't have to be an epidemiologist or environmental health specialist or any of those things to do those tests, right? Uh, they're very inexpensive and they're very highly effective ways to quickly assess if your environment is helpful to you or it isn't right those are some examples of things that i would do if i'm just a normal person who's not a practitioner who just wants to understand environmental health quality how it affects my family or my experience
1: nice nice love it love it right and i have the final question uh can you predict the future what Kind of future will be in uh, this uh, field and how to adapt today to this future because many things are coming. Uh, uh, it's hard to name all of them, but uh, anyway, we will uh, see them. So, any insights about the future and how to adapt today?
0: Yes. Uh, well, if I could predict the future, I'd be a Wall Street analyst or a capitalist, right? In that sense. Um, but I'll take a shot here in the space that we work in. You know, I see a future where people manage their health and their environments based on the data, right? It's not gonna be guesswork anymore. You know, you don't guess when it comes to your credit score. You know that if you go apply for a loan, there's certain factors that affect your your creditworthiness and you can map that back to a number. You don't have to guess what your insurance premiums will be because your insurance company looks at your driver history uses data from your life and your credit score and comes up with your insurance premium costs, right? Um, I think that those same principles using big data will apply to environmental health. You won't have to guess if it's safe for you to be inside of an office or a classroom or if it's healthy. There's going to be numbers and data that will give you an index or an analytic that will say, based on what's happening scientifically in those environments, biologically in those environments, maps back to numbers. You'll be able to tell predictably where you're going to have the best health experience inside of a space based purely off the numbers. so the future we're going to go into is one where we use less of intuition and more data to determine where you should be operating and spending your time inside of those
1: spaces nice nice and you know we have one more question from Selmy Nebras. Uh, uh someone with very good hair you know I can't be proud by having this, you too, you know, by the way. So <laughs> can you reply to this question?
0: Yeah, please. Thank you. So uh the question, I'll just read it just because it, in case folks are on audio. Yeah. From Selmy Nebras he asked, hello, guys. Thanks a lot for the subject. Uh, it's really interesting. My question is, how do we reduce the negative impact of remote work from home and how to be more productive in a remote work environment? It's a, it's a great question. It's one we get a lot as... Companies grapple with bringing people back to the office, which a lot of folks just don't want to do for various reasons. My answer to that would be productivity, uh, sell me, is measured very differently depending on how we look at it, right? There's quantitative measurement, which is how much unit production can you produce within a specific fragment of time. Uh, and then there's qualitative measurements, which is I just feel like I did a great job today and I delivered on my goals, right? However, you measure that. Um, if I can speak along the lines of my expertise. I would say that if you're gonna work from home uh, for significant amounts of time, sell me, open the windows if you're in an area where there's fresh air. I'll just say that it's not winter, it's freezing, or it's not in Las Vegas where it's 120 degrees and you can comfortably open your windows. Keep your windows open, right? That's just one of those things that we just see helps people to stay ventilated. It keeps you alert, it gives you that fresh, Uh, that first mental cognition you need to really be productive at home. The second thing I would say is try to reduce the noise pollution or the outside noise factors as much as possible. So if you're in a very large city where there's like a lot of taxi cabs like New York City or a lot of outside noise, we find that noise insulation is a very good way to sort of remove distractions and keep your productivity high. Um, Another thing that we see from an environmental health standpoint is CO2 obviously is – One of the biggest determinants of how focused you are when you're doing left brain cognitive things at work, whether you're studying or you're working in mathematics, software development is a big one where engineers don't leave their space very often. If you're one of those folks, get one of those small CO2 measurement devices. And if you see carbon dioxide or CO2 rising above 1,000 parts per million for more than 30 minutes, you want to open a window or turn on your air ventilation systems, or at least put some kind of filtration in your space so that you can reduce CO2 levels, which keeps you alert and allows you to work more often. You'll probably know this, this mean, I'll, I'll stop here. If you're working in a space where there's a lot of people, like your family, your kids, loved ones in the space, you have a very different productivity than if you're in an empty space at 2 in the morning where it's quiet, the windows are open, the air is crisp, and you're alone, right? Those are the kind of environments that
1: are helpful because you're breathing fresh air. Nice, nice. You know, great question, great great answer. And by the way, guys, I'm going to give this podcast to my wife, especially about opening windows <laughs> because <laughs> I know it's important for me. Uh, Ray, it's a big pleasure to get in my show, to learn from you, tell our audience the best way how to reach out to you, how to learn more about you, how to follow you.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I'm assuming you'll link this here somewhere on the broadcast, but I'm most reachable on LinkedIn. I tend, it's the only social platform that I really use. Um, so if you wanna throw questions our way, if you wanna get on our advanced early list for our consumer devices, uh, feel free to reach out to me at LinkedIn. Um, I'm also reachable at info at puretech.com. It's I-N-F-O at puretech, P-U-R-T-E-C.com. Um, and we're always excited to talk along the lines of environmental health anyone that's just curious about what you can do to help increase your health from an environmental standpoint.
1: Nice, nice. Guys, guys, uh, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Please follow Ray on LinkedIn because you can see a lot of valuable insights. And remember, you can lose money, you can lose properties and get it back. But it's really hard to get back your health. It's better to uh, think about prevention, not treatment. Treatment costs a lot more, but even treatment can't get back all recovery. That's why it's better to think more about prevention. I I love all the insights from Ray. It's a a big pleasure. Thanks again. I love it, guys. You need to follow Ray. You need to keep learning. And see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.